In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in the Pensacola, Florida area. And today, this is going to be a fascinating lesson, on, on a Hebrew lesson, actually, on the mystery of the Hashem, the mystery of the name in Hebrew. Now, Pastor Carl, we know that you do a lot of preaching and teaching on the names names in, in, in Hebrew and what they actually mean in the Bible and the mysteries of it. And this is going to be a fascinating lesson this morning. Yeah, thank you. I, I really enjoy doing that. First of all, I just I just feel a real calling in my ministry life to exalt the name of the Lord. And I mean, that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do, right? And there's so many scriptures where God gives promises in the Old and New Testament, and that's not what this show's about, so I don't want to belabor it. But he says, if you will honor my name and stand in my word, I will bless you. Now, I paraphrase that, but that's all through the Old Testament. It's all in the New Testament. But listen to what he always says first, if you will honor my name, okay? And, of course, we get in the New Testament, we hear about Jesus, who's given the name above all names. It's also the only name to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Also, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, it's the only name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. So see see the name of God you know, Old Testament, we could say the name of God. New Testament, we can say the name of Jesus. Of course, he is the word that became flesh, the word that was with God and was God. So same thing. But that name is so important. And so it's a big part of my ministry. And uh, I, I love helping people not only see these mysterious connections to these names, but also the fact that they're there on purpose. God put them there so that we would discover them. I mean, it's like it's like parents with kids out there with Easter eggs or something. You know, we we get a thrill in watching them run around trying to find the secret. You know, trying to find the mysterious hiding place. And when they do, oh, I got it! I got the blue one with a star on it. I'm the winner. You know, and God does the same kind of things with us with His Word sometimes. And the Bible says that that He He hides mysteries only so that they would be revealed in their due course, and He does it to exalt Himself. And he just loves us as as the Heavenly Father. So I love sharing these things with folks, so thank you for asking me. So yeah, 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 the, you, you talk about the, the name. In, in Hebrew, that's pronounced Hashem, two words, ha meaning the, and then shem meaning name, Hashem, the name. Well, here's the thing. I speak and preach and teach on this, and you might have heard it on a relevant word on past programs. Uh, If not, you'll hear it on some future programs. But I talk about how uh, sometimes, well, a lot of times now, and, and, and this this tradition was born after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the scattering of the Jews out of the Roman Empire and around the world until 1948 when they finally kind of, you know, came back as a nation. But from 70 AD on, it, it, there became a Jewish tradition, a law on the people from the rabbis and the synagogues to not pronounce the name of God, Yahweh. Do not pronounce that name. 
uh, and, 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 other, and other iterations of it. Instead, and you, and you surely shouldn't write it, you shouldn't pronounce it, and the reasoning was is because somehow you might profane it, which would break the, the commandment. Don't profane the name of the Lord your God. Do not take his name in vain, etc. But the, but the deal is, I've said this so many times before, perhaps right here on this show. So uh, I, I've said, but you know, but, the, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Does it say to do that? I mean, the Bible is totally the opposite. Exalt the name of God. Use the name of God. Preach the name of God. Sing the name of God. Praise the name of God. Share the name of God. And then God promises blessing. So there's nothing in the New Testament that comes remotely close to telling us we shouldn't pronounce his name. It's too holy. Well, it is holy. No doubt about it. And we should not profane his name. Don't use it in vain. But using it, praising it, singing it, sharing it, speaking it, pronouncing it is not using his name in vain. Uh, You know, what would I think if, if you never called my name, for example? Kevin, you know, you never would speak it. And finally, I get to thinking, Kevin, you don't like me. Why don't you call my name? And you say, well, I don't want to profane it. You know, I, I might misuse it. And I would say, well, Kevin, don't worry about that. If you misuse it, we'll know, and I'll let you know. But in the meantime, please call me by my name. Does that make sense, Kevin? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's how God feels about his name. You know, if you profane it, uh, shame on you. Uh, But if you're just using it, preaching it, sharing it, singing it, praising it, uh, speaking his name, he takes delight in it. Why? Because his name is rich with meaning, all of his names. Elohim, We'll, we'll do a program on that sometime coming up soon. Uh, uh, Yahweh, I've done programs on that. Um, uh, Yeshua, I've done programs on that, what they mean, at their letter meaning as they unfold. So what has happened is down through the years since 70 AD, the Orthodox Jews especially, and listen, I'm not, I'm not cracking on the Orthodox Jews. I, I love Israel, and I stand for their right to be there, and my ministry is wrapped up in helping the Jewish people, and especially the Orthodox people, come to understand these truths that I'm sharing. So, um, But I'm just speaking truth here. And sometimes people don't like the truth, but I'm just speaking truth. You deal with the Orthodox Jews, and a lot of Christians who are caught up in that Orthodox movement, uh, Messianic roots, which is good, and 90% of it is good, but when it comes to even they have adopted some of the Orthodox Jewish um, regulations, if you will, of, of saying, oh, we shouldn't say the name, we shouldn't say the name. So instead, in, in the writing of the name or in the speaking of Yahweh or something like that, they will, they will say Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Hashem said that we should do this. Uh, and don't forget the teachings of Hashem. And you'll see that written. You'll hear them speak it. And Hashem is Hebrew, and it means the name. The name has said. Don't forget the teachings of the name. So what they're doing is is they're Xing out the name Yahweh or Yeshua or whatever or Adonai or El Shaddai, and, and they're substituting it with what they think is, is, a, is, a, is a softened version of it, the name Hashem. Well... What I love to teach people who are really wrapped up in that, and even if you're not listener, you're listening right now, and you say, well, I'm not all wrapped up in that, so what does this mean to me? Just hang on. You're getting ready to have your hair peeled back if you've never heard this before. All right, now watch. So I've told the audience uh, on several occasions, and I preach and teach this all the time, that the ancient Hebrew letters, especially the ones that the Bible was originally written in, the Old Testament, uh, each letter of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet, also had with it a meaning. Sometimes the meaning had nothing to do with the sound of the letter. It was just a meaning that had been attached to it from time immemorial. Those meanings are, meanings are called ideograms. Um, I've said uh, before uh, and, and documented in several of my books, especially Yeshua Protocol, 
Baal and the Messiah, uh, uh, the um, um, the 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 I forgot I forgot the name of it. I've written fifteen books. You've had so many of them. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the 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 secret message and the meaning and, and Messiah, the, uh, the the rabbi that found Messiah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I've got it all in those books. If if you can remember those names, I can't remember the names of my books. So if you can, listener, God bless you. But but I've got all this documented in there. But the bottom line is, when you come to those names like Yahweh. It's it's spelled Yud Hey Wah Hey in 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 uh, Hebrew reads from right to left. Well, the Yud the meaning of the name Yod is uh, the hand. Uh, the meaning of the of the letter Hey the letter Hey is behold. The meaning of the letter Vav is uh, nail spike peg. Uh, behold the hand. Behold the nail. That's the name of Yahweh. I mean, it's crazy when you think about that. And those and and those meanings have been around. For thousands of years, thousands of years before Jesus was crucified. Yet there's the name used 7,000 times in the scriptures, Yahweh. And the letter meanings are, behold the hands, behold the nail. In fact, Vav also means the spear, a peg, a a spike, a spear. So behold the hands, behold the nails, behold the spear. That's who I am, God in the flesh on the cross. Unbelievable. Okay, now let's take this. That's why God wants us to know his name, to use his name, to speak his name, because it's so power-packed. Now we come to this substitution, Hashem. Well, how do you spell Hashem? The, the, the term Hashem, which makes up two words, is spelled by three letters in the Hebrew. Okay, And then there are vowel sounds that go with it. They're called vowel points for you Hebrew experts out there. You know that, and I know that. But but there's three what we would call, I guess, consonants or letters. Okay, So there is ha, that's hey, okay? and then shem. And that's made up of two Hebrew letters, the sheen is where you hear the shem, and then mem, sheen, mem, shem, shem. Okay, so you hear the sound. All right, well, the sheen represents the name El Shaddai, or God Almighty. That's one of the meanings of that letter. You see it on every Jewish mezuzah. It looks kind of like an English W. It's not a W, but it looks that way. All right, the Shem, the Sheen. Okay, the Mem is the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it means water, the water. Now watch, watch this. Ha Shem, behold El Shaddai upon the water. Oh, oh my gosh. So the word, the name, gives visions in our mind of Jesus walking on the water or Jesus calming the water, the waves and the winds. Behold, El Shaddai upon the water. <laughs> you understand, Kevin? I mean, as we start, and I'm going to take this right to the scriptures, but I can tell you you're dying to say something. You know, you, you, you hear these words, you see these words uh, over and over the longer you spend with the Bible to open up, uh, to, to shed a little light on them. Now, now I'll see them in a different way. Well, yeah, and and just wait till I teach what's coming up next. All right, so I, I we can, we can wind into that, but so now just remember that because when we come back, I'm going to take you straight to the scriptures, the New Testament, and the Old Testament, and this is going to blow you away, and it's going to make so much of what you know about the New Testament come alive. But remember that name that's used as a substitute and has been since 70 A.D. by Jewish law and and even Christian groups. Hashem. Use that. Don't say Yahweh. Don't say 
you know, uh, the, the, these other names for God. I don't want to go through the list, but, but especially Yahweh, Elohim. Don't say that. Say, say Hashem, Hashem, the name. But even that means, behold, El Shaddai, the God, the God Almighty, who's walking on the waters, who's on the waters. Behold, El Shaddai on the water. Oh my gosh. Wait till we come back from this time out, folks. And then I'm going to share some stuff with you from the New Testament and Old Testament that's going to blow you away if you've never seen it before. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. This is A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And Pastor, we're learning about the mystery of the Hashem, the mystery yeah, yeah. of the name. The name. Yeah. And we already know that it's uh, more than just a name. And you're more than you're just pointing a name. it out, yeah. and it's, it's yeah. right there in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we can't wait to find out more. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that that's the phrase that was has been pegged ever since the uh, 70 A.D., you know, by Orthodox Jewish people and then even Christians who were kind of into those elements of the Orthodox Jewish movement, uh, don't, don't use the name. Don't use the name. It's instead, don't, don't use Yahweh in, or Elohim. Instead, say the name. Well, I don't know if they thought that through because the ancient meanings of the letters are there, and they've been there for thousands of years. And when you take them out, ha, shin, mem, hashem, hashem, hey, shin, Mem, that's how you spell it. And hey means behold. Sheen means El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. It's on every mezuzah. That's what it means. And then Mem means the water. Behold, the Almighty God who's upon the waters. Well, good gracious. I mean, how ironic is that? So you're not saying his name, but you are saying his name. Because right in the middle of it is the Sheen, the Almighty God, El Shaddai. But then you're also saying something about him when you use that. So, so most students of the word, and most of you that are listening are students of the word, So, so um, but you'll remember that in Mark chapter 6 is the first instance of Jesus walking upon the waters or having anything to do with the waters and the waves and the elements uh, by a supernatural touch or word. Um, so he tells his disciples they fed the 5,000 uh, on, on, on the side where Capernaum is. Um, he tells them, go to the other side of the lake, uh, tells his disciples, get in the boat, I'm going to go up here in the mountains and pray. I'll be there later. And I guess they're probably wondering, maybe he's going to take another boat. How's he going to get there? You know, but they do what he says and they go. The Bible didn't tell us what they said or what they thought. They just obeyed. But then during the night, late in the night, you know, a storm is, is, is whipping up. The waves are whipping up. And I've been on Lake Galilee before, and it's beautiful, beautiful. But, man, it can whip up quick because there are mountains all around. It's like a bowl. And when the wind comes from the north to the south, it stirs that lake up. The wind doesn't have anywhere to go but north and south. So you're in a storm. And that's what happened to the disciples. And they look up in the middle of the night and in the darkness, and the waves are whipping around. And here they see what they, the Scripture said, they think it's a ghost. It's, you know, they say, this must be a ghost. What, who, what is this? There's this apparition coming. It seems to be walking across the top of the waters. And then, of course, it turns out that it's Jesus. And you remember Peter saying, Lord, if that's really you, call me out there. He calls Peter. Peter goes. But then Peter's faith dwindles, and mine would have too. And <laughs> Peter sinks. Jesus reaches him up. Okay. Well, anyway, so finally he gets in the boat. Boat, you know, and the winds calm down, the waves die down, he's walking on the waters, and the disciples are justifiably freaking out. Who can walk on the water? Who can speak to the wind and the waves? Who is this 
that the wind and the waves obey him, that he commands. He can walk on top of the water, yet he's flesh and blood. He gets in the boat with us. He eats with us. We can touch him. We can hug him. We know he's real. He's not a ghost. Who is this? And so that was one of his first kind of revelations of himself to them, who he just who he might be, all right? And then we read again about sometime later in Matthew, we read about Jesus uh, being in the boat with them, and they're in the back of the—I mean, they're in the boat. They're going across the lake. Uh, Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. They've been ministering all day long. He is wore out, and in the midst of it, another storm comes up, and he doesn't rouse, and the disciples are fearing for their lives, and and so they they, they shake him and wake him up because he's just wore out, uh, humanly speaking, and then they said, we're, we're going to die, and how can you lay back here and sleep during this? We, you know, they're basically saying, look, we're puking all over the place. We can hardly walk, and you're laying back here asleep. What's going on? He stands up and basically says the same thing. Oh, you have little faith. Did you think you were going to perish? You know, I'm in the boat with you. And there's a good sermon right there. But but then he just, he, he the Bible says he speaks to the wind and the waves, says, peace, be still. And they obey instantly. The wind stopped. The waves calmed down. And the, and the disciples fall at his feet. And they're questioning again, who is this? Who is this? He's, he looks and feels and acts and eats and sleeps like he's just a man. But he commands the elements of the earth with his voice? Who is this? Okay. All right. Well, so this word that's been used since the 70s tells us who it is. Behold, El Shaddai who walks upon the waters. Well, that's really cool. But now the question is, but okay, but does the Old Testament have anything to say about God walking on the waters? Okay. And that's where the water hits the wheel. Uh, no pun intended. I'm sorry. You caught that. I saw you, Kevin, look at me and smile. I didn't even think about it. It just came out of my mouth. But anyway, that's where the water hits the, hits the paddle. Okay. So the the first instance, well, this is not the very first instance. I'll preach on that some other time, teach on it. But but today, the first instance is found in Job chapter 9, where God is speaking to Job, and he basically is chastising Job. And, and then Job replies, and he says, indeed, I, I, I know that this is true, but how can a mortal be righteous before God? In other words, he's saying, I, I, how can I even talk to you? I, I can't keep up with you. I'm not equal to you. And then he goes on, he says, the, the one who wished to dispute with him, he could not even answer him. Uh, one time out of a thousand. And of course, Job is the one that wanted to dispute with him and anybody else. And so, but anyway, as it goes on, here's what that says in Job chapter nine. It says, he shakes the earth. God shakes the earth from its place. He makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone, now listen to this, Kevin. He alone stretches out the heavens and he alone walks upon the waves of the sea. Oh my gosh, he alone, who is he? This is El Shaddai, this is Yahweh, this is Elohim. We would call him in English, this is God. This is God in Job chapter 9, the oldest book in, in the Bible. It was written before any of the others, and one of the oldest, most ancient pieces of literature that we possess in the world. And in that oldest piece of literature, it says only God can do that. Only God can walk upon the waters. Only God can command the elements and they obey. But that's not the only passage. We can go over to Psalm chapter 77. Listen to this. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? This is verse 13 of Psalm 77. And it goes on to talk about his uh, miracles and how he displays his might, et cetera, et cetera. And then verse, uh, verse uh, uh, 16 says, and the waters saw you. Oh God, the water saw you and they writhed. 
The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your path led through the sea. Your way through and above the mighty waters, though your footprints could not even be found upon the waters. Oh my gosh, there it is again. Well, let's stay in the Psalms and go listen to this one. This is Psalm 107. Now think about this. This is describing what happened to the disciples that night when Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. The boat was wreathing and writhing, and and, and they were reeling like drunk people and saying, man, we're getting sick to our stomachs. We think we're going to die, and you're back here sleeping. Would you would get up and do something? And then he just gets up and speaks. You know, peace be still, and it dies down. They fall at his feet. They worship him. Who are you? And he says, why do you have such little faith? Watch, here's what Psalm 107 says, beginning with verse 27. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad when it grew calm. And then he guided them to their desired haven. That's exactly what happens in in the book of Matthew. And and so I mean we could go on and on. I um I want to share um this from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs chapter 30. Listen to this. Who has gone up to heaven and who has come down? The writer of this proverb is asking who has gone up to heaven? Who has come down? Who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hand? Who has wrapped up the heavens, excuse me, the waters in his cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? Listen to this. He's asking the question, what is Hashem? What is the name? And what is Hashem of his son? What is the name of his son? Well, what has he done? He's gathered up the wind. He's gathered up the waters with his word, with his hand. He controls the very elements of the earth. What is his name? And what is the name of his son? Sometimes I'll speak to an Orthodox Jewish person, tell them I'm a believer, and you know, and 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 then they want to talk a little bit. And one of the things they'll say is, Well, God has no son. God has no son. You're talking about Jesus being the son of God. And I say, really, have you ever read Proverbs 30? The question is asked, what is God's name? And what's the name of his son? <laughs> I mean, it's right there. So, 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 I mean, you can't get around it. But not only that, but how, what's the description of him? He calms the wind. He calms the waves. He does it with his voice. He does it with his hands. Who else can do that? And everything else I've just read, who can do that but God alone? Who can do that? Only he can do that. Okay. So here we are now. We've gone from the New Testament to the Old Testament. And now I want to take you, in your mind, go to John chapter 14. Right before Jesus was going to the cross, he was with his disciples in the upper room. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And that's because Thomas had asked, Lord, we don't know the way. Where are you going? And, and Jesus said, well, I'm going to go away. And then he said, but we don't know. And he said, but I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Okay. Then Philip pipes up. And he says, Lord, if you would just show us the Father, if you could show us the Father, then we would believe you. And what did Jesus say? This is at the end of those three years. This is after he's walked on the water twice and calmed the winds and the waves twice. He looks at Philip and he says, Philip, show you the Father? Have I been with you so long, Philip, that you still don't know who I am? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What is he saying to Philip? Now, I'm going to add these words. The scripture doesn't say it, but this is exactly what he meant. Our study today, Philip, 
Weren't you in the boat when I stood up and spoke to the wind and waves and they obeyed me? Weren't you in the boat that night the storm came and I came walking across the waters and saved you all? And what does the Old Testament say? Only God can do those things. Four different times. Only God. Only God the Father can do those things. And you saw me do it. And now you're asking me to show you the Father. Have you been with me so long? You don't know who I am. I am the Father in the flesh. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. I alone can calm the wind and the waves. I alone can walk across the top of the waters and you can't even see my footprints. That's who I am. Hashem, the name. It's fascinating. It really is. I, I enjoy teaching it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I pray that, it, well, then it brings the Bible alive too. Mm-hmm. Like that thing with Philip and Jesus. Some people think that Jesus was really chewing Philip out. He wasn't. He was just trying to remind him of the things he had seen mm-hmm. and then compare that with the word of God, which is what we modern Christians are supposed to do. What's going on in the world around us? Pre- compare it with the word of God and then you'll know stuff. <laughs> this is a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church. Thank you, Carl. Oh, thank you, for another. For fascinating Hebrew lesson. Well, I appreciate it. And for all of you listening, thank you for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Now more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week, Pastor Gallops shares what the Word of God is saying, even now, a relevant word, with longtime pastor and best selling author Carl Gallops. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Thanks for listening.